As Wentworth fell to the white sand in the gloom of the palm grove, a short man with a villainous face sprang toward his prostrate body. He carried a heavy club, and standing astride the helpless spider, he raised that club high above his head with both hands. His teeth showed in an evil grin. His purpose was clear. When he smashed down with that club, he would cave in Wentworth's head like a melon. The club started downward, then checked in mid-stroke. The man screamed, his arms stiffened, seemed stricken, with a strange and instantaneous paralysis. Something sinuous had licked out of the gloom. It had slapped softly upon the man's wrists and coiled about them like a snake. Now, as the man stood screaming and helpless, as the club fell impotently from his hand and struck the sand with a soft thud, a white-shouldered giant of a man sprang from the gloom. He held a short-handled whip in his hands. It was the lash of this whip that had twined about the vicious killer's wrists. The handle flicked backward, and the whip's prisoner pitched to the earth. I said, let him live, the big man admonished. Three other men shrank back from around Wentworth. Upon the ground lay the man the spider had slain, and the one who writhed with his hands in the vice of the whip. The big man twitched the handle, and the whip came free. He coiled it slowly about his forearm. It was fully fifteen feet long. He finished with that before he spoke again. Miguel, Juan, he said in Spanish. Carry this prisoner to the house. Jesus, Jose, go to the plane and see why our men did not also disembark. Take this carrion with you. With his toe he touched the man Wentworth had slain, then paused. The man who had fallen prisoner to the whip felt his eyes upon him, got to his knees, held up his arms in silent petition. Jose, mio, said the leader, see that thou obeyest orders next time, or thou wilt taste of the whip in another way. The man, Jose, bowed, shuddering to the ground, and the big man turned, strode back along the trail. Despite his broad height, he moved with a certain alien grace. Stepping from the shade of the palms into the red last rays of the sun, he revealed himself in long, loose-legged white ducks, a shirt open at the throat. The whip dangled from his wrist by a thong, a coil of flat-plated leather. His head was bare, and the reddish hair upon it bristled straight upward in a ruff. Behind him, two Mexicans toiled with Wentworth, swinging him between them limply. They stumbled into the cabin, and at the orders of their leader, bound the spider with coils of rope. The tropic night fell while they labored. A candle thrust into the neck of an empty rum bottle was lighted on the table. Behind this sat the leader, elbows heavily on it, brawny forearms clasped loosely together, the whip sprawled out beside them. The leader's face was craggy and thickly scarred by smallpox. He had a square, heavy jaw and Irish blue eyes, arrogance in that thin, high-bridged nose, cruelty in the lean, firm-pressed lips. This was Miguel Oriano, whose father had been a swashbuckling soldier of fortune by the name of Mike O'Ryan, who had carved a minor kingdom among the peons of Mexico. Oriano looked up sharply at a rapid thudding of feet in the darkness. Three men stormed into the cabin door. The first was the dour-faced pilot. "'Where is he?' he demanded with a searing oath. "'Where is that son of unspeakable parents?' He spotted Wentworth, strode on long, loose-kneed legs toward him, drew back a heavy boot in front of his face. "'Stop!' spoke Miguel Oriano. He said it quietly enough, hand carelessly on the coils of his whip. The foot checked in mid-blow. 
The gaunt pilot spun about. You don't know what this man did, he said violently. Hell, Oriano, he's the spider. Oriano chuckled. The sound was deep, but not in the least humorous. Well, the spider is well trussed, he said in the same soft, slightly accented tones. Presently we will dispose of him, but first there are certain questions to be asked. Tell me, what did he do? What did he do? the pilot almost screamed. He strode to the table, put both hands on its edge, and leaned forward. When he spoke, his lanky body bobbed from the waist. He blew up four of our planes, destroyed the loot of the Romodo, and killed twenty-seven of our men. Oriano ripped to his feet. The crude chair on which he sat thunderbolted.